0: Castec community, I'm Chris C, the founding director of the Castec project, coming to you from the land of the Web3. Uh, Welcome to another episode of Web3 Watch Fireside Chat, where we speak with industry professionals about their work on building the decentralized world with Web3, DeFi, DAO, and various decentralized ledger technology being a part of this amazing new ecosystem we're putting together. Today I am so glad to be joined by Christian Hasker, who is a CMO for Hedera, which is one of the longer-running projects within the crypto sphere, uh, really trying to bring you usability and mass market adoption to these nascent world of blockchain, but th- doing it in a way that allows people who have big ambitions about enterprise adoption and commercial adoption to have an, a, a sensible way to say, hey, this can actually happen. This is technology ready for prime time.
1: Welcome, Christian. Thank you so much for having me, Chris. I'm delighted to be here today and looking forward to our chat.
0: Absolutely. Um, it's really interesting to see the organization that kind of began with an idea, with the idea of Hashgraph, kind of grow into this ecosystem under the umbrella of Hadara. Can you give us a little bit of a kind of a sense of where the Hadara ecosystem is going and what brought you into this space? And, you know, what is, what is your role and what do you see your own contribution to this field?
1: Yeah, sure. Uh, so I, I'd actually say it started with a mass problem. Hmm. Um, Dr. Lehman Baird, who is, um, along with Mance Harmon, the uh, co-founder of Hedera, um, in about 2012, he he set out to solve a math problem, which is how do computers in a decentralized network come to consensus on both the veracity and the order of transactions in a way that is both incredibly fast and also um, has finality Mm -hmm. and with the highest security possible and so he set out to solve this math problem and for years he convinced himself it just wasn't possible he would you know, tackle the problem and then set it aside and then he come back to it because um, he really likes math problems and puzzles and mm-hmm. things like that.
0: Yeah. Unsolved math problems are the most interesting math problem to mathematicians.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And because it, it's it's been solved if you want it very slow mm-hmm. with high security and it's been solved if you want it fast with no security. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, he set out to to solve these for these these two things. And then in 2015, he had this breakthrough um, that he named Hashgraph. Mm -hmm. And Hashgraph is a consensus algorithm, which has these properties, it's incredibly fast. Um, It uses uh, something called gossip about gossip, which I can talk about in a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, And it has this property of asynchronous Byzantine fault tolerance, which is the highest degree of security you can have in a distributed system. And so, you know, one of the things that I, I, I love to think about is if Bitcoin did not exist, you know, most of our industry would not exist, mm. but but Hashgraph would still exist and Hedera would still exist. And that's because Lehman didn't set out to build a better blockchain. He set out to solve this math problem. Um, so... Hedera was um, founded back in 2018. And the uh, uh, white paper was launched then. And yes, as you said, there, there was this vision. Um, and we've after we published the white paper, we've just set about relentlessly executing on that vision. And Hedera is both the public network, so the technology. But it's also this decentralized governing body, this professional governing council. And really these two sides to Hedera, it's not just the tech, it's also the governance as well. That both are unique in our industry and allow for applications that are not possible on other public networks.
0: Hmm. Would you consider the 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 kind of governing body of Hadari a DAO or in the spirit of a DAO? Or do you think that's a different structure than what people talk about right now with DAOs and Discord groups and communities and such?
1: You know, that's a really great question. And it's something that the governing council has talked about. So um, they are an LLC, so a limited liability uh, corporation, Um, And they join the LLC. Um, So, you you know, when a governing council member joins, it's really like going through a merger or acquisition for them. It's, you know, you go through all those legal loopholes. So in that sense, it is not a DAO because it's a different structure. However, we do and they do talk about it as being dao like mm-hmm. because the governance happens on chain right they sign these transactions that happen on chain whether it's for a software update or something around pricing um you know minutes are published very transparently to uh the industry so it definitely has these elements of a DAO. and i do believe over time maybe it will morph into even more dao like um, and it's interesting, you know, when we set out in 2018, DAO wasn't really a term that was uh, commonly used. And, and now, obviously, it's very prevalent in our industry. And, and yeah, it's a, it's a good way to have transparent governance, obviously. Yeah, and it,
0: It's also really interesting that the DAO with T H E T-H-E in front of it was a little bit of a thing to not talk too much about at this <laughs> certain era. So the fact that that word came in full force is a testament of the the, the, the importance of the letters of the DAO, is it decentralized? Is it autonomous? And is it organization? And I think we look at LLC. Yeah, of course it's an organization. The question is really about the autonomous aspects of it, the transparency, the, maybe the automation, or at least the ability for people to act on the stimuli uh, without having to go through a more traditional kind of like paper process. Um, that's really interesting. Um, on the network side of Hadera obviously there's a, you know, there's one or two uh, proof of work blockchain that is still kind of like you know what what people outside crypto know about Bitcoin and Ethereum, and there's a lot of other uh, blockchain that is considered proof of stake, uh, and and the the consensus algorithm for those proof of stake blockchain differs. Uh, from, uh, from things uh, earlier like dedicated proof-of-stake uh DPOS, to things like Avalanche Consensus. Uh, 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 how do you characterize Hashgraph as a consensus algorithm within the proof-of-stake discussion?
1: Yeah, so that's a great question, and we need to separate out two things. So one is that Hashgraph Consensus underpins all of the services on Hedera. So, um, Hashgraph, as I mentioned, has these properties of being incredibly high throughput, low latency, and you know, very, very secure. Um, the, we have three services that run on top. One is the Hedera Consensus Service that essentially exposes the Hashgraph consensus algorithm to developers to build whatever you want. You know, incredibly flexible service. And then we have the token service, which allows you to uh, tokenize assets, issue you know your own cryptocurrency if you want to, and that inherits the properties of our own cryptocurrency, which is called HBAR, which um, is both incredibly fast, low latency, and very secure. So if you mint your own token on Hedera, it, it inherits those properties. And then we have a smart contract service that is a fully EVM compatible um, smart contract service. So any smart contracts written in Solidity can be deployed on Hedera. You can use the smart contract service in conjunction with the other services or standalone. So now we talk about proof of stake. And I mentioned our cryptocurrency is HBAR. So in order to maintain the safety, the integrity, protect the network at scale, you need a scarce resource. Mm -hmm. In proof of work, work, that scarce resource is electricity, right? That's um, what they use. You're competing to add a block to the, the chain. It has done a great job of maintaining security, but it is wasteful and slow. So with our proof of stake system, um, HBAR, there are only ever going to be 50 billion HBAR minted. So these HBAR will be staked to different nodes in the network. Um, Right now we're in a permissions node Uh, phase where only the governing council members can run nodes in the network Mm -hmm. so our trust model is very very high so proof of stake isn't that important for us right now Mm -hmm. but later probably by the end of this year we'll be moving into a phase where uh, community members will be able to run nodes on the network and now proof of stake becomes very important because you want Uh, to ensure that the nodes are honest. And so you want to have your uh, cryptocurrency staked to honest nodes in the network. Those that are dishonest cannot attract stake. They fall off of the network. So um, proof of stake is very effective for us as we scale the number of nodes and then go to a multi-sharded system in the future for maintaining the safety of the network. Mm-hmm. But the consensus algorithm is always hashgraph and the protection system of the network is that scarce resource, which is the cryptocurrency.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So you're seeing this in, as like one kind of like layered system where people can participate in the layer that they're comfortable with. So if you have developers building a dApp and they're willing to uh, trust the underlying security of the network, they can just focus on deploying their contract in EVM that they have already, let's say, modified or forked or written from scratch. But if you want to participate in that governance uh, and the security budget of the network, then you go kind of two layers below. Is that a fair characterization?
1: Yeah, correct. And, And I should say, when, when we move to this community node model, mm-hmm. um, those are also permissioned nodes. And then the final phase of full decentralization is uh, a fully permissionless node network. You, know, you and I can join the network for a day. We can drop off. We can you know, participate however we want in that model. Um, yeah. And at that point, you know, we're, we're really at that final phase.
0: Yeah, so it's interesting you talk about this, you know, essentially what uh, Jesse Warren uh, named progressive decentralization. You make a valuable piece of technology with a mathematical and a technical breakthrough, prove that it works at scale, and then you invite more community in with decentralization not being the initial goal, getting in the way of the use case, but focusing on a use case and then decentralize the, the 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 resource as a common good. And one question has always been that you know, okay, now that we have this, let's say, uh, uh, n- a new type of consensus and new type of uh, of uh, uh, um, a way of ensuring security, is there a certain type of use case that is uniquely suited for the Hedera ecosystem that is uh, not? as possible in other approaches that took a different compromise uh, along that uh, kind of trade-off you mentioned before. What can't you do Another uh, system that you can do with Hedera?
1: Yeah, so um, by the way, that was a great recap that you just gave. Um, we wanted to start off relatively decentralized from the get-go with a very high trust model Right. And then ensure that over time, we become even more decentralized, which is sort of the flip side of what you see with some other projects that start off, you know, really decentralized. Yeah. But then over time, maybe there are groups that consolidate power, they influence the network. So, yeah, that, that was that was a very good summary. Um, but you know, let's talk about the thesis of Hedera, you know, the thesis of Hashgraph of this consensus algorithm being incredibly high throughput, low latency and um, very secure and also um, incredibly low environmental footprint as well. Mm -hmm. You know, it is at the bounds of what is mathematically possible from an efficiency standpoint. The thesis has always been that Hedera will attract applications that simply are not possible on other networks. And we're beginning to see a little bit of that today with enterprises that are bringing applications to market that have to have incredible throughput and very, very low predictable cost. Mm. So just last week, Avery Dennison, which is the world's largest label maker and largest producer of RFID tags. They have a supply chain platform called Atma, and it has some of the world's leading brands on it. And what they do is they generate a digital fingerprint for every item, and they track and trace that uh, now on the Hedera network and also are bringing... Uh, this capability to be able to offset the carbon footprint of um, these uh, items as they flow through their life cycle from inception to you know, production. Mm-hmm. And if you think about um, supply chain, you know, it was one of the original blockchain use cases, right? But we never really saw it implemented at massive scale. And if you think about on a public network, there are billions and billions of these things that get manufactured, that each one has to have its own uh, digital identity, its own digital fingerprint on a network, mm-hmm. trace it through the whole supply chain system, offset that carbon footprint. You're talking many you know, hundreds and then thousands and over time, tens of thousands, of transactions just from one sector, supply chain. That just is not possible on other networks today. Even if it is possible from a uh, speed standpoint, um, which it is, you know, there are networks out there that are optimizing for speed. There are layer two networks that are optimizing for speed. The cost associated with each one of those transactions is too high for an enterprise to deploy at scale. They need an incredibly low predictable cost per transaction. So one of the other things that the uh, governing council has done is they set fees on the Hedera network. And for this type of very simple writing of data to the Hedera network, it's one 100th one of a penny, always. It's denominated in dollars. So it doesn't matter you know we're in a volatile industry, right? The price of cryptocurrency can be high one day, low the next. Yeah, uh, very unpredictable. Yeah. So they wanted to remove that unpredictability and say, okay, for our operational expense budgeting exercise, we need to know, you know, if we if we use Amazon Web Services for an application, we need to be able to budget it. If we use Hedera for an application, we need to be able to budget it. So. Um, it's not just the high throughput, it's the low fees as well. Yep. So that is that is a use case that we're seeing today. Another one um, from two other council members, um, ServiceNow, which is, um, you know, this massive enterprise IT company, um, you know, it counts all of the Fortune 500, Fortune 1000 customers are our uh, ServiceNow customers. Um, other council members are ServiceNow customers. So, one of the customers is DLA Piper, which is the world's uh leading global law firm. So, right. they you know, law firms are by nature incredibly decentralized as well, because you've got all of these subject matter experts in different right, parts of the world.
0: different and, and Law, yeah. Civil law, common it, law. Yeah,
1: exactly. Exactly. So they have this need to be able to do. It's very inefficient how it works today. They need to be able to do real time chargebacks and accounting between these different uh, right. entities and different jurisdictions like you talked about. So they've partnered with ServiceNow for this capability that is now in production. You can imagine over time, you know, all enterprises have this need to do real-time accounting on the one hand between different business units, but also real-time chargebacks as well. And you can do that by tokenizing basically the invoices between these departments Right. and settling them in real time. Um, and then ServiceNow has other capabilities. So if you start saying, oh, well, that's just one company, uh, you know, that's, that doesn't need high throughput. But if you talk about tens of thousands of companies doing this in real time, obviously you need a network that is incredibly high throughput. So I'm, I'm so, and then there are other applications that I can't talk about that yeah, yeah. also necessitate Um, you know, these properties as well. And what I think is gonna happen is, you know, Hedera is just going to be the de facto standard for these types of applications. And then Hedera is going to compete for those other applications that are real Web3 native type applications that you're seeing over time. So I think it's sort of bi-directional, right? You've got your enterprise coming and adding decentralization, And then you've got your sort of native decentralized applications um, and, you know, Hedera is going to be able to compete on both of these legs of the industry.
0: Yeah, I think it's very interesting to think, think about predictable fees as one thing that changes how developers or even IT planners plan about these things. Because even carbon credit, right? You If you want to say, oh, I want to offset my carbon credit for my NFT transfer. Well, the transfer of the carbon credit costs as much as the transfer of the NFT. So you have to have a platform that's much cheaper to be able to do these multiple reconciliation accounting step and still not balloon your fee from $25 a transaction to, okay, on a row up, maybe one fourth of that, but it's not one one hundredth of a cent. So I think this idea of fee is really uh, important uh, consideration in kind of qualification of certain types of consumer or at least enterprise application. Uh, for now, let me ask you a question. It was very interesting. You talked about this idea of a like internal accounting uh, turning into a public network. So, you know, we at CarSec, you know, did some kind of exploration with the airline industry to think about settlement of airline miles between each other. And the question is, okay, let's say you do the airline settling between themselves. Let's say a bank, uh, a, a credit card issuers were selling uh, points in bulk that can be settled. But what about the consumer? And then there's always been a very strict gate between, oh, you're going to pick one set of solution, blockchain DLT or otherwise for the enterprise use case. And when the consumer, I'm not sure we can do that. Do you see the scalability in the plan that when these things become more public network, the consumer can actually participate directly against these kind of chargebacks and billings, and you know, maybe even commercial opportunity around rewards and coupons. Uh, do you see the Hattera being something that regular people through the mobile device will used.
1: That is a great question. You know, I think the promise of public DLT, public blockchain, is that you have this highly participatory economy, right? Where you and I do have access to instruments that we don't in, in today's world. Um, so yes is the answer I, I don't think we can even envision today exactly how it will unfold over time but one example in the public sort of talking about this idea although it is not built out yet another council member standard bank which is the large, largest bank in africa mm-hmm. on the african continent they've talked about the bond markets being closed markets today, there are just a handful of participants globally that can access the bond markets themselves. And, um, you know, wherever you see closed private markets, dark pools, this sort of thing, that's a good application of public blockchain, uh, Mm -hmm. public DLT. And they want to open up that whole market and decentralized the bond market, so that uh, you know initially there are more participants, maybe more banks involved, maybe more entities involved. But over time, so that retail investors can uh, take advantage of a market that today they just simply cannot gain access to. Mm-hmm. So your your, um, you know, your observation about airline miles, you know these are closed systems today as variables. well. right <laughs> so a lot um, of
0: time it's like, oh, it's take twenty four hours to transfer a person literally go to one computer, deduct yeah. five thousand point, go to another computer, and add five thousand, right? that's That's literally what happens behind the scenes.
1: yeah. so you know it's it's not hard to believe that. If the airlines themselves see value, consumer loyalty increasing because they open up those markets, that um, you know, public blockchains will be at the center of that kind of economy as well. Like I'd love right now, right? You, you we're having this conversation. You tell me, oh, I'm going to I don't know where you're traveling to. I'm traveling yeah. to Singapore next week yes. or something. And and you know, um, I don't have enough.
0: I'm going to Paris for ECC. So
1: Paris, <laughs> perfect. Right, you're going to Paris for ECC and um, Oh, you're like 10,000 airline miles short. Uh, and I say, I say, Oh, I've got, you know, I'm not traveling for a while. I've got a hundred thousand, you know, I'll, I'll, uh, you know, transact with you right now. You give me a couple of, a couple of hundred bucks. I'll give you 10,000 points. And we just do that transaction and it settles in three seconds, uh, you know, tiny cost to you and me. Mm-hmm. You're happy, I'm happy, the airline's happy, they've got your booking, right? You're not, you're not shopping around trying to find the cheapest flight. So, I, yeah, when will we see that day? I don't know. But it feels inevitable, right, that we'll yeah. get there?
0: Yeah, I think you know, I've been, we've been part of, for example, the Hyperledger Linux Foundation organization and hearing conversation about enterprises, and we are obviously participating in Web3 on those kind of native Web3 application. The convergence of the terminology and what they talk about is pointing toward the same direction, but there's definitely a friction between, you know, programming model of hyperlogic fabric Quota R three. Uh, and obviously, you know, I like cockroach technologies. I call it technology that would never go away. It would just be around forever. Uh, JavaScript on the front end and EVM or Ethereum solidity if if developer know how to express the business logic in a way and then can trust that it can be executed cheaply and fast Eventually, there's no difference between the type of enterprise backend integration. In fact, those integration into the blockchain is valuable. Oh, I see this ledger change. Let me go and update my internal ledger. It's totally doable. It's an integration people can do. An exchange do it all the time, right? They take a look at the public ledger on Bitcoin and update the internal ledger based on that, right?
1: Um, and
0: but, but I they... can do you.
1: I can do you one better on, uh-huh. on that. So you know, we talked about the Hedera consensus service, right? Um, that exposes that hashgraph consensus algorithm. So we have connectors from Hyperledger Fabric and Arth Recorder where you can just, in a, you know easy line of code, swap out your internal consensus algorithm, if mm. it's Raft or Paxos or something like that, for the trust, transparency, and I consensus see. algorithm of Hedera. You just literally use the connector, take your private network, say, oh, we're not going to run our own consensus nodes anymore. We're going to inherit the trust of Hedera. Mate. And, now, and now you've got this hybrid, private, public type of instantiation. And I think, uh, you know, like we saw enterprises start with private clouds and move to public clouds, we're beginning to see the same with, with blockchains as well.
0: That makes a lot of sense. And and the, 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 the migration is possible because the, the initial private cloud migration make people feel more comfortable with virtual machines and you know storage services. And once you have that, the abstraction can be switched. It's like, oh, okay, this is a network that's shared, but you still have the same policy. Uh, and there are a lot of people who can help with that. I think that my, the initial idea that this is a decentralized, uh, ledger, uh, and then you're going to program it in these program that floats on top of this kind of VM layer. Once that migration of the mentality, uh, there's a lot of opportunities to, to improve throughput and stuff. I, I love this idea that people have made investment in, uh, like our quarters in the kind of, a, a unique workflow, uh, language and with a, their own really interesting flavor of, uh, of, uh of a Bitcoin (laughs) inside the network and know that underlying it, yeah, I can, I can make the consensus go fast and performance is a big concern, even for quarter users of, of whether they can actually, uh, transact at that speed at that cost. So very cool to see that happen. Um, on the, on the aspects of the kind of more native DeFi application, obviously we see a lot of developers who are, uh, you know, programming Solidity pretty bought into the layer two on top of. ETH2 uh, as the as their promised land. Uh you know, baby steps and big steps remain to be taken. The merge is a big part of it. How do you guys think of uh positioning Hadera within within that type of cultural migration towards that model of um you know L2 uh, uh row-ups uh, versus one where it looks like there's a little bit more similarity in that particular from a community point of view on Avalanche C chain with subnets uh trying to get some developer to own their own chain, leverage the consensus, but having their own thing. Do you see a similar different approach and how do you kind of inject yourself into that set of development uh, with the Web3 enthusiast?
1: Yeah, that is a great question. And and we're early in this journey because um, in January of this year, we deployed as a service our fully compatible EVM smart contract service that is high throughput as well it has the same properties it's not as fast as um, the consensus service and token service because smart contracts are much more computationally intense right Mm -hmm. but um, it can do hundreds of transactions per second and it has these fixed low cost capabilities and it has this very low environmental footprint it wasn't enough just to bring the smart contract service to market, though. You also need all of the tooling around it that smart contract developers, Solidity developers, are used to programming with. Right? You yep. need Truffle, or you need Hardhat, and yep. you need MetaMask, and you need all of this stuff. So
0: App tools. Um, That's just like that, but what people really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All
1: of the testing and all yeah. of this. So. Um, Since releasing that smart contract service, the Hedera community and Ethereum Solidity community have been letting us know about what is missing from the ecosystem. Mm -hmm. And we're filling those gaps very quickly. And, um, you know, we just finished uh, on May 16th um, our smart contract hackathon. And um, we ended that hackathon with 2,500 participants. 60% 60% of them are net new to Hedera coming from mm-hmm. Ethereum. And what I think, so layer twos are really interesting because if you set out from the get-go, you would never invent a layer two. If your layer one is fast enough, cheap enough, you know, can do or secure, um, you know, why would you ever use a layer two? And that's the bet that we're making right? That Hedera, because it has these unique properties, can provide everything that developers need, um, especially with costs as well. Because even doing rollups, like you said earlier, you can lower your costs, but you can't really make them negligible. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think we're gonna see over the next, you know, three to five years, um, as ETH two rolls out, and you mentioned, you know, there are other systems taking different approaches, like Avalanche and Polkadot, and these things. Like, um, as as these smart contract based platforms mature, what types of applications gravitate to what kind of uh, layer one and layer two networks? I think where we are going to excel is. Um, not everything should be in the smart contract. You want to keep your smart contract as small a footprint as possible and call it only when you need to call it. And then you want to put other features into other services that are even faster and lower cost. So, you know, one of the advantages of Hedera is because it has the consensus service and the token service that can be used in conjunction with the smart contract service, I think we're gonna see a different blend of applications that emerge just based off of the possibilities there. And maybe what we're seeing with more traditional Web3 applications, maybe they consolidate on other chains, maybe they do move to Hedera, but I think it's too early to tell today.
0: You know, our our vision is that eventually, much like the same way you have one mobile phone that has many apps on it, but it integrates with services from Apple, Netflix, and Google, that the integration is in the glass. We call it like you know, the glass that you're looking at is where it's integration. And that could be a browser, could be a mobile app. We definitely think that you know, there's too many very interesting things going on in the EVM, EVM adjacent community, for proof of even proof of work community with Lightning is extremely interesting. The user needs to feel like through their phone, through the the chips and this key that they have a key, keys, plural, to different empires. But it has to make sense to them. We're still in the sense that the dabs are everywhere. They're just sprinkled everywhere else. It's almost like open up random doors in the matrix to see what you can get in there. But we really want to, <laughs> yeah. we really want to bring yeah. it together into that human experience. And that's why we are building a wallet technology uh, um, and native app around that and also a, a Dapp framework to allow for composable applications like that. And I don't know if you're, fam- you're familiar with ServiceNow. I'm sure you're yeah. with Salesforce. You can add a lot of features in Salesforce that works very consistently that then connects to the external service. We want to build like the Salesforce design system, component system, TAPS system for crypto. And that's all we're doing. We're not doing any consensus. We're just talking to folks like yourself. We're working on, oh, that's really interesting. So one thing that came into my mind is that if you have really high throughput uh, EVM transaction, then you can do reward points and payment, uh, using EVM. And we have a contract that does that on Gnosis chain. Uh, that would be great to see. Okay. Now we're paying this amount of thing. We can do that many transaction. If we deploy those EVM contracts to Hedera Hashgraph EVM, what can we do? Because those capability, when you have invoicings done on chain, then you can do things like merchant cash fans and invoice discounting, all these composability DeFi concept that, that we want to work on, but they get more and more expensive, right? Yeah. <laughs> might get more logic to it, but we're very interested.
1: In and, and separating platform. out the logic, right? Your token right. transfers don't have to happen in the smart contract, right? You right. don't want to bloat your smart contract. You don't need all the account information in the smart contract, mm-hmm. you know, so Hedera, uh, allows for optimizing your workloads depending on what you need to achieve. Yeah. And I think you have nailed exactly where we're at in our evolution. Why do we care? Today, we do care what the blockchain is underneath. We care, you know, but I can't wait for the day where this stuff is just invisible, mm-hmm. right? I hope I hope in that day, Hedera is the winner, right? And it's the default mm-hmm. option for all of it. But the fact that you even talk about oh what blockchain is underlying your application, you know, we we stopped talking about TCPIP, you know, decades ago, right? Yep. So yeah, you know, I think I think that's I, I can't wait for that. And I think what you're doing as far as abstracting away all of that complexity, you know, when when we get there, it'll be a very different world.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, we see ourselves as one of the few project working on front end composability, which is a hard problem, right? There's an entire ecosystem of JavaScript developer and conferences all around the world, just discussing how to make a button so you can click on the button and then things pop up, right? It's not easy to orchestrate the browser in this asynchronous manner to magically give more detail when you double click on it. It's a hard problem, especially if you want multiple people, multiple development team to contribute, oh, you need a swap or there's a standard swap function that works with all unit swap oh you have a special swap here's an override that allows you to see the detail for this particular new lp position widget we want to have those things be in the library but the goal is when the user finish and learn the tools and there's a protocol upgrade or even migration from one execution environment the URL stays the same. Right now, that's not true, right? Because your data yeah. work, the URL changes. or Worse yet, you didn't renew the domain name and a hacker took over the domain name and stole all your MetaMask uh, assets like CryptoPunk just because you connected to a DAX that you trusted the day before, before the domain name expired. So we're working on the front-end technology, but the ability to actually approach commercial scale for commercial transaction is definitely a prerequisite before even our vision can be there, it seems like you guys are making headways towards that.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and I'd you know I'd love for you to take a look and deploy some of your smart contracts and play around oh, with it, and you know, give us give us feedback. Um, yeah, it would be really interesting. But I I love what you're doing. I think it it it's so essential. It's like we took a big big leap forward in the underlying technology and a giant leap backwards in usability. Oh, of course, and
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we wrote a white paper in 2017 and we were acknowledging the bifurcations of tokens and networks and things and say, we want to build the experience layer, the cohesive experience layer of decentralized internet or Web3, what is called now, and it's a hard problem right like because while we are trying to integrate technology to technology is changing faster so, yeah, so exactly. how do you it on yeah. top? So we we feel like javascript which is our expertise is really where the breakthrough has to come we are the web in the web 3 we're working in the web technology part uh, not just saying oh host a website on this little host that can disappear uh, we're trying to work on those problem and obviously working with decentralized source provider uh, i'd love to keep in touch on this i think our our payment and reward system around consumer payment could be a very good fit uh, with the speed and low cost throughput of your EVM solution and also obviously the token aspects of it. Um, we're coming towards the end of our time here. Uh, is there something that Hedera is working on right now, let's say in the next 6 to 12 months, that, you'd expect that you expect you think that someone who has been paying attention to Hedera will be surprised? And someone who is like, for the first time here, Hedera will have an aha moment. Is there something like that in the future that you would kind of like maybe shed a light on?
1: Um, so I do think for developers, it's really around the smart contract service combined with the Hedera token service and making that. So yesterday we just announced a Hedera improvement proposal around, uh, the JSON RPC relay, which allows developers to point at Hedera uh, just like they would point at a different mm. blockchain mm-hmm. network like and deploy net like and deploy it, yeah, to yeah, main that, right? Mm. Um, so Hedera has traditionally looked so different from everything else in the market. What we are, realizing for developer adoption that have invested time and cycles learning other stuff, it's not okay to go to them and try and re-educate them. You have to speak their language and you have to provide the tooling. And so I I think people that looked at Hedera early on and didn't see that. Mm that's where they're going to be very surprised is coming back and saying, wow, you know, all of the time and energy I've spent learning solidity, writing my smart contracts. Now in a few minutes, I can deploy that to Hedera and be up and running and all my tooling works and all my tests work. Um, That's exciting for me. And then I'd say the other thing is the, you know, where you talked about earlier, you know, really participating we have staking coming out mm-hmm. and, um, you know, especially for our longtime community, you know, that's been something that they've been waiting on a long time and then the ability to run community nodes. So mm-hmm. if we deliver on those this year, along with this, you know, leap forward on smart contracts and tokenization, yeah, I'm, I'm very excited. If we just did that for the next couple yeah. of years, you know, that, that's <laughs> enough probably.
0: Yeah, I, I love this idea that the meaningful participation for people who's been part of the community uh, get first dips. On the economic opportunity, uh, you know, some people say, Oh, is per- to permission. I want totally permissionless, but when we have totally permissionless airdrop and stuff like that, you get a, val- a lot of mercenary behavior and it takes the most valuable resource of community, the underlying tokens and the community kind of glue and just gave it to people who are just here to do a financial trade. I, I think it's so cool that you're looking at the organic participation as a little bit of a badge of honor for that participation in the next era decentralization that's absolutely right i think that's the true community building versus just driving up your discord count and driving up your telegram groups um it's really great to hear you guys rewarding your long-term participants
1: yeah we definitely do not have the biggest community in the crypto industry by any stretch of the imagination but we have an incredibly knowledgeable um, you know, friendly, welcoming community. Um, it's been so cool to see them build, you know, over the last four years. Um, and I'm excited on that front too, because I think like attracts like, and, you know, Hedera community is going to attract more and more folks like them um, over time and, and scale exponentially. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the, our, our industry is all about community building, really. We, we'd be nothing without, without a community.
0: Absolutely. And, and I think, you know, different communities form and dissipate at different paces. If you draw the community life cycles, there are some more high frequency community that, that kind of tracks and pumps and Pumps and dumps, I feel like and the slower one that tracks the overall crypto cycle, but the one that actually becomes the one that you can see that long term trend you zoom out is around developer, users, participate and really looking at this as building a future kind of capability for building uh commercial transactions and things that we use in our daily lives and 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 as much as people say you know i used to have an enterprise it background running D for a large organization there was like oh enterprise is like so boring it's like yeah but one software deployment that doesn't work affects 2 million people, right? Like we are always remember, we, we have users of our software and we affect people's life and I think taking that idea that we are actually building for the people on earth and not just a slice of people side betting on the economy on a, on a couple of exchanges, uh, I think those are the users we are optimized for. It seems like you, you're doing that in merging that enterprise foundation and this new community angle is very cool. Um, so I mean. is, there, is there any other things you want to share with us um, uh, as we come to the end of this show?
1: No, I mean, I've really enjoyed this conversation. I can talk about this stuff all day long. It sounds like <laughs> you can so talk lonely. about this stuff yeah. all day long. So, I'm, you know, I'm happy to come back on in the future. Yeah. yeah. Maybe in a few months time we can see, you know, some of the stuff we talked about today. You know, how is it unfolding? Because um, that, yeah. that's always you have. You have an idea you have a thesis but then it's got to play out in the real world
0: yes and and the the development is steady like you know you know this idea of having more than one viable evm runtime was a dream when we started exploring layer two we end up settling on gnosis chain because it was the first one xdi chain that was really an alternative and polygon and c chain and you know your your implementation these are all coming optimism and arbitrum so we are in a much more interesting thing but i agree with you. I don't care if Facebook used MySQL or SQL Server or Oracle, right? I care that it's a yeah. great experience and they're able to help me connect with my people, hopefully protect my privacy. But I, you know what? I, I trust the people who are working in Web3, especially people outside of the immediate kind of like crypto trading community. Uh, uh, really, someone who's looking at that as a substrate for this value creation that we can share on together. So exciting.
1: That's right. Well, thank you for having me, Chris. It's been a pleasure. Absolutely.
0: And again, as always, thank you for our community for your time and attention. Until next time, take care.